go. That's lovely. It's been a strange week. I think we can sort of agree on that. Um, as we all mourn for the Queen, there's almost a, a proudness, a, a kind of goodness that's in being British, being part of the UK. We've seen our soldiers march. We've seen our royals go and visit different people. We had our new king go and speak Welsh to the people in Wales and travel around all these different places. The, London is a buzz with flowers all over Green Park. There's people visiting and just to show how much, how British, how much of the UK we are, we have formed a 24-hour queue. <laughs> For 24 hours, people are now forming to go and see the Queen lying in state. They stand there at 6 o'clock in the morning, slowly moving forward. One step at a time. Even David Beckham's doing it. It's amazing. They're moving across, and they're going to give honour, to see the Queen, to say goodbye. Uh, you can actually watch this, so I don't know whether you've seen, most of our news is about this Queen, is about this queue and uh, the lying in state. And I found it really interesting, you watch these people go up and there's a bit of a panic, they don't know what to do, and then there's just a stillness as they come there and they just bow, or whatever they want to do. There's this movement where somebody is sort of forgetting about who they are. This queue is full of every single kind of person in our, in our country. And they get there, and none of that matters. They're just a human giving honour honor to the queen that has served us for so long. There's this connection, this change that happens. In today's passage, we're going to be looking at two different people that are travelling towards Jesus. These two people, I would suggest, are completely different. There's the sick woman, and then there's Jairus. Both coming from different backgrounds, different standings. Both, I would suggest, completely different. But both on the same journey to healing, to see change, an encounter with Jesus. So for this time in the morning, we're going to sort of dig into these two individuals. We're going to try and figure out what's happening, and we're going to paint a wider picture of this passage. Everybody with me? Great. Okay, let's go. So firstly, the sick woman. I just want to point out, she's not even named in the passage. This woman is just called the sick woman. I wonder if when Mark went to investigate this and to speak with people, whether nobody knew her name. She was just a sick woman. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. And then to make things worse, she'd undergone different operations and different treatments to see if they could make her better. Which really, the only thing that they did was take away her wealth and probably more of her health. But still no healing occurred just getting worse and worse. Foolishly, I googled this to see what kind of treatments they would be. Okay, don't do that. Um, the one that I can tell you about is a boiled egg with some ash over it. The rest of it is pretty much like Victorian treatment, lots of drills and experiments, I would say. So um, she had gone through the mill. She had suffered trying to get herself better. So for 12 years, she's just been getting poorer, sicker, and being taken advantage of. 
Another consequence is the fact that she is bleeding. And that would have been viewed in the Jewish tradition as unclean, as unholy. She would have been separated from a place to worship God. She would have not been allowed in the temple at any time. She is, of course, Jewish, but the Jewish, but a Jew without a holy place, but a Jew who isn't holy, who can't worship, who can't offer sacrifices, repentance, a place to pray to her God. And then to make things even worse than those two things, she wouldn't have been allowed to mix with any other Jews. If she had touched anybody else, they would have been unclean. There would have been a process they'd have to go through to become clean again to enter the temple. Have you ever wondered if this woman had a husband? I wonder if she had kids, children. Could you imagine 12 years not being able to touch your husband, your family, anybody? Not even being able to kiss them. You know, the rules were so bad that even if she sat on a chair or she lied in a bed, that would become unclean as well. Here's another question. Do you think her family left her? They would have been faced with a choice of isolation from their culture, from their history, from their identity, to stay with their wife, with their mother, or they could move on. And to be clear a Jewish man would separate his wife quite easily in those times. But it's part of their tradition. It's part of what they did. They wanted to worship God. They wanted to step into this community. And the wife, the mother, was holding them back. What if that was the case? You see, because of this sickness, because of this illness, she had lost herself. She would no longer be a worshipper, a mum, a wife, a friend, This woman had lost everything and been given a new name. The sick woman. Let me ask you a question. And this is for you to reflect on. What have people taken away from you? What part of your identity has been removed from you? Because of illness, your ability, your race, your colour, your education, gender. What part of your Identity has been removed or disempowered within you. So we go back to the sick woman. She's discovered Jesus, this man who is going and healing all those that are cast out. It is preaching a new kind of gospel, a God that wants to be close to everybody, not just those that are holy than holy. So she goes to find him. Could you imagine what it would be like to sort of see that crowd gathered as she looks down? I wouldn't be surprised if she just turned away and just left. As she goes into that crowd, she's either going to get healed or she's going to get killed. If they have discovered who she was, they would have stoned her. That would have been the end. But this sick woman pushes through. She pushes through the crowd, through the identities that she's been given. She pushes through the exclusion that's been placed on her. Psalm 16 says, my body also will rest secure. Can you imagine how much she needed that? 
This woman is pushing through the crowd. She's hiding who she was. She's battling with those who are stronger than her. But with her identity, she's pushing through the society. She's pushing through with a body that needs so much rest. She's pushing through. If she can just get to the back of Jesus, if she can just touch his cloak, she'll be healed. With her last breath, with everything, she pushes through and finds rest. This woman had lost everything and had to push against that. Found healing and found Jesus. So that's the sick woman. What about Jairus? What does he look like? So again, straight away, he's been given a name. Okay? Uh, And do you know what his name is? God enlightens. Could you imagine that as a name? Could you imagine introducing that chap? Hello, yeah, my name's Martin. This is God enlightens. There's an element of, of grandeur about that, isn't there? Um, yeah, he's, he's also described as a synagogue ruler. This means that he was in charge of organizing everything related to worship in the temple. He would uh, delegate roles, he would keep things in place, he would be in charge of the rules. He would be viewed as the top guy, the ruler, the closest one to God in that little community, Joris, God enlightens, the temple leader, so holy. He would have been set apart for his role, set apart to know God. One more thing about him that's sort of implied that not said. He's a Pharisee, okay? So I think they get a bit of a raw deal, to be honest with you. To be a Pharisee, we always read them in the Bible and go, oh, you wally, why didn't you see this? But these are people that are really academic, that knew scriptures, that knew the first three books of the Bible and could recite them, that knew a few Psalms and could recite those as well. Could you imagine trying to recite Leviticus. Let's be honest, most of us struggle to read it. We've all got it in our yearly Bible reading, and we go, I'm just going to read a bit of John. We'll, we'll leave that bit, shall we? And they could recite it. They knew everything. It made me wonder again. Joris was uh, the temple leader. He was God-enlightened. He knew all the rules and kept the letter he would have decided who could come in and who couldn't come into the temple. He would have turned away the unclean, the weak, the sick. Do you think it's plausible that he prevented the sick woman from coming to the temple? Or at least somebody like him? He held all the authority in that local place. Another question for you. What have people given you? Where do you hold power? Where is your authority causing harm? Where have you been given an identity which is just consumed with your authority? So Jairus is now drawn into panic. 
His 12-year-old daughter is sick. This little girl, this little lamb that he's loved so dearly. He's told her stories within the Bible. He's so proud of her and where she's going to go in the future. And she's sick. And what does he do? He has the temple. He could go there. He could read scriptures. He could speak to other leaders. But he hears of this man called Jesus. Healing and teaching. A man who has healed somebody with leprosy. Healed somebody to walk again. And even commanded the storm to stop. So he decides to go to Jesus. Leaves the temple and goes to Jesus. This God-enlightened man was set apart so that he was, and he was risking everything to go to Jesus. What if there was unclean people there? What if they touched him? He'd be separated again. So he stands on the edge and he sees this crowd gathered around Jesus. But unlike the woman, he doesn't have to push through. They separate. He walks through. They all move out the way. This God-enlightened man comes to Jesus and falls to his knees. You see, when he drops to his knees, he's dropping his authority. He's dropping his place. He's dropping his control, his power over others, and his own life. And he says, please, Jesus. He drops everything to get to Jesus, to speak to him. Can you see the contrast between these two people in today's passage? Both travelling to Jesus. The sick woman who is disempowered, excluded, and has, her, has had her identity taken away. The man, the God-enlightened, the empowered, the excluder, whose identity is in what he has been given. Both travel to Jesus. One pushes through the crowd, one parts away. One is taking power back. One is losing it. One is sneaking from behind. And one is coming face to face. And what do they have in common? They both fall to their knees when they meet Jesus. Because that's the point. Regardless of who you are, what you have done, what power you lack, what power you have, the only way to encounter Jesus is on your knees. To know him. A couple more questions. What do you need to take back? What do you need to give back? As we walk with Jesus every day, taking those steps like a giant cue. We go to Jesus, who sees us beyond everything that we are. So go to Jesus now. And know he is listening. He is healing. And he's waiting. 
Let me pray. Lord, thank you for the scriptures and the amazing stories that we hear of you moving in different ways. Lord, I pray that as we travel closer and closer to you, we can take what we need and we can put down what we don't need. I'm thankful that your grace is beyond all measure. Let our step, day by day, give glory to you. Amen.